Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Well, welcome to this week's AgCast. Uh, I'm Mitt Walker on staff here with Alabama Farmers Federation. And today we have in the studio candidate for Congressional District 2, Caroline Dobson. Caroline, thanks for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me, Mitt. Yeah, great. Well, um, looking forward to, to watching you as you, you go out on the campaign trail. You recently got the Alpha endorsement, um, which... Um, has typically been a pretty sought-after endorsement for folks running for office, but um, you are not new to Alpha and the Alpha family, so tell us a little about your background. Absolutely, no, and it, it's such an honor and a privilege um, to have been entrusted with your endorsement, so that that is truly something that I'm grateful for and I do not take lightly. I know that um, that, that you're entrusting me to, to work hard um, for the folks um, out there in Alabama. Um, I am from Monroe County originally. I grew up on my family's farm there in North Monroe County in Beatrice. Um, my family's been farming there for several generations. My, my grandfather was the youngest of 10 kids. He was uh, born in Conecuh County, worked his way through Auburn, vocational ag teacher. Um, my father grew up there in Monroe County on the farm, and um, that's where I grew up. My mother is from Coleman County. She grew up on a cotton and sweet potato farm, um, and um, and her, her sister still farms our, our family farm up there. Um, her name's Lydia Haynes, and my Uncle Daryl Haynes have also been really involved in the Federation. Um, my family's been involved in the Federation for uh, for years, been members, and also been involved with the Alabama Cattlemen's Association. I'm currently a commissioner on the Alabama Forestry Commission, and I'm also a director of the Southeastern Livestock Exposition that partners with the Federation a lot uh, to put on a lot of livestock shows and provide youth um, agricultural scholarships. That is great. So long history of involvement with agriculture. Uh, I think uh, your career, you're an attorney. Is that right? That's right. Um, but yeah, lest you think I'm one of those attorneys that at least at least my family, um, no one in my family was an attorney before me. And I think generally um, uh, farmers don't don't look highly on some attorneys, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a real estate attorney. So a lot of my clients are um, small business owners and landowners. I um, went to Baylor for law school in Texas and practiced in Texas for a few years right after law school. And a lot of my clients there were landowners. I was representing landowners against, um, you know, pipeline, big pipeline companies and, and doing a lot of water rights and natural resource work. So um, throughout my career, I've been able to um, represent some ranchers and landowners, and, and those have definitely been um, the clients that I felt um, um, most honored to do work for. Yeah, well, I will tell you, in recent years, uh, farmers have had to lean on attorneys more and more, but whether it's regulatory overreach or um, trying to get their estates in a place where hopefully that next generation can continue on the farm. So um, attorneys do play a valuable role, obviously, for our farmers, too. So you're you're a practicing attorney, but um, things kind of shifted for you here recently, and you've decided to run for Congress. Tell me how you got to that point. Yes. Well, you know, um, I've never been in politics before. I'm a political outsider. Um, but growing up in a small town, you witness firsthand, you know, small towns don't run themselves. Rural communities don't. And um, and I think that's evident in your membership, too. You've got people who 
um, don't have free time, y'all don't have vacation time, but still you're taking the time to be involved and to advocate on behalf of agriculture. And I witnessed that firsthand um, with my parents and people in my community. You know, everyone um, worked full time and, and a lot of folks were involved in agriculture or timber. And then they took time to, to volunteer for the town council or mm-hmm. to be on the volunteer fire department or even teach Sunday school. And so growing up in a small town, um, you learn that you can't just show up for things. And if you want to see a change, you've got to make it happen. I've got two young kids that I'm raising here in District 2, and I'm frustrated with where the country's headed. And um, frankly, there was a week, there's a new congressional district, you know, redrawn. It was redrawn congressional district. And there was a week left um, before the filing deadline, and zero Republicans had stepped up. And so I was the first Republican to qualify because I thought, well, I'm not saying I'm the perfect candidate, but I'm willing to fight um, for conservative values, fight to restore faith in this country, fight for my kids to have a better future. And so that's what made me want to run. Great. So you're running. What are what are some of those issues that um, if you're elected that you want to kind of tackle head on? Yes. Well, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, faith first. I I think um, Christianity is truly under attack in this country, and I want to ensure that my children um, have the freedom to continue um, worship worshiping God and, and aren't ridiculed or persecuted um, for their Christian beliefs. So that's uh, that's first and foremost with me. But also, again, fighting for, for my family and fighting for, for our farm. I think there are too few people in Washington that have any concept of the challenges and threats um, that folks involved in agriculture um, face on a daily basis and also have zero concept of how important food security is sure. and the role that we play. Um, I mean, if you look at this district, District 2, um, it's kind of the breadbasket of, of Alabama. I mean, we've got tremendous agricultural. Re- you've got, you know, you've got a timber um, and cattle and you've got peanuts, cotton, um, poultry is huge. And so there's um, this is uh, largely a, a rural district. And I think it's so important that we have some one up in D.C. who is um, not only stopping the bad legislation, but actually advocating on Mm -hmm. behalf of agriculture, trying to promote um, legislation that protects property rights, that promotes our industry, um, that enables um, our operations to function more smoothly and more profitably. Um, You know, in in the next two decades, it's estimated that over 40 percent of American farms will change hands, um, you know, just due to, to, to baby boomers. Mm-hmm. passing away. And so we really have to have someone focused um, on on taxes, um, too, on, on, you know, trying to eliminate or really curb the, the death tax, because for most farms, um, over 90 percent of the assets are illiquid. Mm-hmm. So when these changes happen, um, you know, if we don't have some sort of tax reform, um, we're going to have family farms that have to sell land, equipment, or even part of their operation just to stay afloat. Um, and and then, and then you enter, you know, the threats about foreign investment and and, sure. and farm ownership. Um, that concern um, when forty percent of our farms are changing hands. So I think we've really got to be unified and focused in finding some solutions and have some more voices advocating for us in Washington. Yeah, you mentioned um, food security, and and that's one thing that we talk mm-hmm. a lot about at this organization: food security and national security really go hand in hand. And when you look at what's happening around the the world today, Mm. whether it's Ukraine, the Middle East, um, certainly um, kind of coming out of the the pandemic a few years ago now, um, 
I think Americans are more in tune with the importance of, of our food supply. So, um, you know, hearing some of those those ideas that, that you talk about that are so important, um, not only to the in- individual farmer, but, mm. but to consumers as well. And, and ultimately the, the fate of the country. Absolutely. No, I think I think. COVID in a lot of ways opened people's eyes. And I think we just, we can't lose that opportunity um, to continue to inform and educate people about how how we operate and how important we are to to the health and national security of our country. And, um, and again, in so many ways, this district is so important because this district includes a lot of the port of Mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, you know, if, if the port is, if we can get some funding to deepen the port, then we can get more grain to the poultry producers. Right. Um, over in East Alabama, um, for instance, because I think currently, um, you know, there's only a, a week supply of grain that they have access to. So if there were to be a rail strike or some sort of other a, a, a natural disaster or some sort of uh, labor issue, you know, our poultry producers, which are so vital and, and, and you know, it, it's such a huge part of our economy, but again, our food security um, would not have uh, the resources they need to continue to operate. So, um, you know, again, I think there's a lot of synergy here between some of our urban areas that are in the district, Mobile, Montgomery, and and the rural communities. But we've got to have someone that's aware of, of these issues. And again, um, you know, in constant communication with our ag producers as far as advocating for them effectively. My name is Russin Wilson. I'm one of the lenders with the Montgomery branch of Alabama Ag Credit. I've been with Ag Credit for about two years. Uh, prior to coming to work for Ag Credit, I was a previous borrower. Uh, one thing that was appealing to me, both from a customer standpoint and now as an employee, is how specialized Alabama Ag Credit is in what we finance in the business that we're in. So a big piece of our business is farm loans. That may be land purchase, could be operating lines, could be purchase of livestock, purchase of equipment. Uh, One big advantage that we have is our staff is involved in production ag personally outside of ag credit. Um, Everybody here has a vast knowledge of what we finance, what business we're in. They're knowledgeable about how the income works, what the expenses are. Uh, It's more than just providing funds. We know how the operations work and oftentimes that makes it much simpler and faster to meet our borrowers needs. If there's any way we can help with any ag needs that you may have uh, with an ag loan, you can visit us at alabamaagcredit.com for a list of our branches and what counties they cover, or you can reach us by phone at 334-270-8687. Yeah, one of the things that that we're focused on currently is this this should be, hopefully, will be a farm bill year. Um, We let last year slip by without being able to get a new farm bill enacted. Um, an extension was passed through September the 30th, but um, you know the farm bill is another key area for us. What are, what are your thoughts on the farm bill in general? Absolutely, no. We have got to be focused on on getting the farm bill passed. And if you um, you know if you look at at the statistics, the nutrition component of the farm bill has kept you know increasing and increasing and increasing. And we have we have got to once again focus on supporting our, you know, you know, if, if we're going to, um, you know, spend so much time and, and so much federal dollars on food stamps, where's that food coming from? And we've right. got to, to get back to the intent of the farm bill and supporting our food producers instead of just 
our consumers. Sure. Well, we'll we'll continue working on that. Um, I know you and I have also talked about the concerns with with finding people to work in, right. in rural Alabama, not just on the farm, but those industries that support the farms, whether it's processors, um, mm-hmm. truck drivers are still in short supply. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your views on trying to get people back to work and then also maybe ways to support those legal guest worker programs? Right. Well, I mean, yeah, first of all, you know, we've got to stop paying people not to work. Um, and, you know, the, the, the quote unquote employment numbers, unemployment numbers are kind of just a farce at this point because you drive down the road in a lot of places in these districts and there are people just, you know, standing around not working. So that's, um, you know, that is that is a huge problem. And then on the other hand, you know, certainly our border is at a crisis state and it's it's just so hypocritical that we have, you know, kind of open board borders. We're letting people flood in and seek um, to take advantage of our of our welfare state and our social services but then um, you know our farmers that are trying and our and our timber owners that are trying to use the h2a and h2b programs there's so much red tape there just needs to be a total overhaul we've got to secure the border but we also need to streamline and deregulate a lot of the h2a and h2b programs um, and the, the you know the the wage hikes there you know when the um, <laughs> minimum wage for the h2a program is almost double the national minimum wage, we're talking about migrant workers who don't have to pay taxes. Um, I mean, certainly they should be compensated. I'm not saying they shouldn't be, but when it's it's truly double um, the national minimum wage for American citizens, there's a problem there. Um, so I, I think we, we've got to look at both sides of the immigration issue to ensure that we do have workers. And again, a lot of the people, you know, coming across the HUA program, they're, they're wanting to come legally. That's sure. good. We need to utilize them, but we need to make it easier for our ag producers to do that. Well, very good. Well, Caroline, we're going to be running short on time here pretty quickly, but um, anything else you want to share uh, with with the listeners today? Yes. Well, no, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here again. It, you know, thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for the endorsement. Um, I, I just want you to know that um, I am running to fight for our families and fight for our farms. Um, I'm not a career politician. I'm not supported by any special interest groups. I'm just a mom, wife, Christian, mother, farmer, and I want a better future for our kids here. I want to be able um, to continue cultivating the land that that my parents and grandparents have cultivated, um, continue um, the stewardship of all of God's bounty here in District 2, and I would appreciate your vote, your support, your prayers. You can find more about me at www.dobson, that's D-O-B-S-O-N, for forcongress.com. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for joining us for Alabama AgCast. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast. Mm-hmm.